it's starting to look like, you know, having desperately tried and failed to make a legal case against the president, you made a political case instead. You put it in a paper sack, lit it on fire, dropped it on our porch, rang the doorbell, and ran. I don't think you have uh, reviewed a report that is as thorough, as fair, as consistent as the report that we have in front of us. Then, then why is contradictory? The time of the gentleman has expired. The gentleman out. from Maryland is recognized. Got to admit, that was a good line. It was the sack of poo heard around the world. <laughs> Congressman Tom McClintock, who was one of the people at the Dog and Pony show yesterday, and I'm wondering what it's like to be in one of those. Where we, uh, I saw one of the photos from above. You ever see those? Yeah. Where you see how many photographers are there, how much media is there. It's just crazy. It's astounding. Congressman Tom McClintock represents the 4th District of California, a substantial chunk of the northern part of the state, and joins us now. Tom, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thanks, guys. Excellent. So what was your takeaway from the hearing? How do you think it went in terms of a quest for truth? Well, I, I think the Democrats were desperately trying to breathe new life into the this whole impeachment narrative, and I think they, they failed miserably. Um, and what I think the world discovered is that Mueller was just a figurehead. He was just a front uh, behind a highly partisan team of Democratic political activists uh, under Andrew Weissman. Uh, and Weissman, by the way, was not only conspicuously supportive of the Clinton campaign, he's got a long record of prosecutorial misconduct, and they put uh, Mueller out there in front to, uh, as, as the figurehead. These hearings are such made-for-TV events where, where everybody's trying to score points that they know will get into uh, you know, the news cycle somehow. Um, is, this, is this a good way to run, run things? I think it is. It's, it's an adversarial uh, situation where both sides uh, uh, get to ask sharp questions, make their political points, test them against each other. That's what this whole system is designed to do. And it's an ugly, messy food fight much of the time, but it ultimately does hold up a subject to all possible lights and and ultimately produces, I think, a, a good direction. Well, well, and, and realistically, it's the only way people are ever going to pay attention to any of this stuff, because they won't read long-form articles or books about it. Right, so. and it's pretty important that people are paying attention. Uh, so, and, and it's very important that a report like this be questioned, because it, the, the, the great frustration is we don't have access to, to most of the underlying evidence. We have to rely on the report itself to be accurate and complete, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, because we can't see the underlying, much of the underlying uh, information. And what we're starting to find out now, as some additional details come out, mainly in court documents, is that the report does is not supported by the underlying evidence. That's what's so frustrating and so so concerning. You know, I've believed for some time, based on people I've talked to who know him, that uh, Robert Mueller is a thoroughly decent uh, old fella and, and tries to do the right thing and is a man of, of moral conviction. On the other hand, I, like many people, became increasingly convinced yesterday that, as I said, uh, on the air, he was—he's—he's he's Colonel Sanders at this point. He's the public face and the figurehead, but he wasn't cooking the chicken. So you have—you have serious questions about bias within his team. Oh, of course. I mean, the, 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 every one of the uh, the team members who had made a political contribution contributed to the Democrats. Total of about sixty thousand dollars, as I understand it. Of of and and, and I think that. Including the infamous Peter Strzok, uh, was part of that original team of uh, the, the 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 one whose emails have been so luridly anti-Trump. Um, so so there was there was a bias there to begin with, 
And I'm afraid what they did was to begin omitting from the report key parts of the evidence uh, that uh, uh, were exculpatory uh, for the president. And so we get a very one-sided case. That's why I said they, they, they tried to make a legal case. They couldn't. So instead, they made a political case by skewing the evidence in the report. And, and again, the court court cases are now starting to bring that out. There, there's one going on right now in the District D.C. court that's making it very clear that the report's conclusions are not supported by the evidence. We're talking with Congressman Tom McClintock, who I saw on a number of news shows uh, yesterday with his line, you put it in a paper sack, lit it on fire, dropped it on our porch, ran, rang the doorbell, and ran, which is a great line. I feel like you've used on our show before, maybe about the Mueller report, um, but it's, it was a great line. And uh, so did you have that written out, planned ahead of time? I mean, that was a good one. Oh, I, that, that didn't immediately occur to me at the moment. No, I have to admit that. Did That's you have one. other classic childhood pranks that you almost went with? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, listen, I, I don't know, Jack, how much do you want to talk about the Mueller testimony? Because to me, it was just, it reinforced what all sorts of people already believed. I see Adam Schiff's tweets this morning, and I'm just, I, I can't even believe he watched the same thing I Here, did. Here, I'm going to call a complete audible. Didn't okay. discuss this. Is fiscal conservatism dead? Rush Limbaugh told a caller last week, no, no, the whole fiscal conservatism thing has never been real. Um, we just saw what happened with the whole budget deal. So we're just, uh, you spend as much money as you want on domestic stuff, spend as much money as you want on the military. Debt doesn't matter anymore. Is that where we are as a country? Uh, sadly, that's where our government is. I don't believe that's where the people are, but that, uh, I, I left the budget committee for exactly that reason. It became very clear to me that the Republican majority had no more interest in controlling spending than the, than the Democratic wow. minority now majority. Uh, and and that puts us on a very dangerous slope where we're now approaching again one trillion dollar annual deficits for years fiscal experts the head of, of uh, sovereign debt from the major uh, um, uh, lending uh, 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 agencies are all warning us. You get up to about a trillion dollars, things start to get unstable. Markets, you get, well, the debt is financed by government the same way it is for your house. You go out and you borrow money, and the government goes out and borrows money from the same capital pool. The interest rate is based basically on their assessment of your willingness and ability to pay that money back. As we sink deeper and deeper into debt, those lending markets at some point are going to be looking at us and saying, you've been a great customer for the last 240 years, but you're really getting in over your head. And there's added risk now in our getting our money back. Therefore, we're going to have to raise the interest rate a little. Well, a small increase in the interest rate, given the enormous $23 trillion of debt we're now carrying, uh, uh, translates into a very big increase in our interest costs. Now, we're already paying about 360 or so billion dollars a year just to pay interest on, on that debt, just to rent the money that we've already spent. A small increase in interest rates can produce a very large increase in that cost. And in fact, we're already being warned that within just a few more years, uh, our, just paying the debt, the, the interest costs on the debt, is going to exceed our entire defense budget. That's not sustainable. Right. And if we get into a debt spiral where interest rates start to inch up, our interest costs uh, grow exponentially, that will be met by another increase in interest rates 
followed by another incremental increase in uh, borrowing costs. And at some point, we enter a debt spiral, and that's very hard to stop once it starts. Congressman Tom McClintock, 4th District, California, on the line. You're Jeremiah crying out in the wilderness for fans of the good book, Tom. Um, I know something about the 4th District, and that point of view just expressed so eloquently is very, very popular. But that is one of a vanishing number of enclaves in America where people give a damn. There, there's hardly a constituency for responsibility. How many there, House there's members, a much bigger constituency for gimme, gimme, gimme. How many House members agree with you? Ain't very many. Uh, I would say probably about a fourth of them. Well, I, I actually agree, understand that this, this is the road we're on. Most of them understand that. Uh, the, the problem is there are very, there, there's a very small number that are willing to pronounce the word no every time a new spending uh, proposal comes through. Why? Right. Because that's not a great way to get reelected, saying, yes, here's a lot of free stuff. Here's more money. That's always fun to do. That's a pleasant thing. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, our politics is driven by that. At some point, markets will begin to intercede. Uh, and at that point, I think the, the public is going to demand uh, uh, a restoration of uh, fiscal discipline. And if they don't, markets themselves will. And if you want to know where all this ends, the sovereign debt crisis is what Venezuela is going through right now. Look within our own territory. Puerto Rico has now a sovereign debt crisis. That's what happens when markets simply say, you know, we're just not going to lend to you right now. We don't trust you to pay us back. Um, uh, that can be deadly to a country in the middle of a crisis. So, listen, uh, just a private note to the listeners. Some of you sometimes ask, you guys are so tough on politicians. You talk about how you should have contempt and suspicion of all politicians. Why do you like McClintock so much? That's why. Right there. All right? He just said it's tough to get reelected when you say no. Hey, uh, Tom, how close is Illinois to bankruptcy? Do you, know, uh, do you follow that? I, I, I don't know the exact figures. Uh, I know they're moving in that direction. Basically, all the leftist governments are moving that direction. Uh, uh, so is Connecticut. So is, uh, so is New Jersey. And you're seeing something else that's going on, a population exodus out of those states. And I, I told our Republican convention a few years ago, you know, the good news is California Republicans are still winning the vote. The problem is people are now voting with their feet. And that's also true of Illinois. It's true of uh, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York. Uh, those states that have left-wing uh, policies in place are seeing an exodus of people leaving them uh, uh, for, uh, for, for more prosperous and more free states. Congressman Tom McClintock represents the 4th District of California. Tom, it's always great to talk. Thanks. Same here. Thanks for having me. See you later. And I appreciate you not just running in uh, to the front door of the show, ringing the doorbell and running away. Oh, he kind of incorporated that into his uh, dog poo thing. Yeah, well, what was another one? The dining and desert. Unless, oh, the, is your refrigerator running? The crank call. I I, I think he's wrong. Um, he said, what he said. Nobody in government cares about the debt, but the people do. I don't. I don't. I, I wish some that were true. People, a few people do. N- not enough people do to make it a political issue and force anybody to to care. See, this is the sort of thing you only hear here because uh, I'm so gleefully past giving a damn. Um. The whole idea of rocking the vote is getting more and more ignorant people to the polls who don't understand debt and 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 uh, interest and and fiscal responsibility and the rest of it. All they understand is you're going to give me stuff. The more the the farther down you can reach in society, and I don't mean down like in terms of worth in the eye of God, but in education and understanding. 
The further down you reach, the more you can manipulate the masses. He's an optimist, always has been. I've tried to turn him pessimist for years now right. on various things. He always, always, I don't believe the American people care enough to force anybody to do anything about it until it'll be a crisis and everybody's going to be screaming, how did this happen? When your program is cut and your taxes are doubled, how did this happen? And I'm not going to get any joy out of saying, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Right. So do you think you can turn him pessimistic? No. You're a pessimist right there. Wow. There it is. Huh? Not with that attitude you want. <laughs> Come on now, Jack. You get back up on that horse and give it another Neil try. Neil Armstrong was not woke enough. No. This is actually a thing. Oh, boy. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So it started as satire by a writer, but then there were people that took it seriously because they're actually bothered. Breaking news, breaking news. I'm in a Twitter war with Tim Sandifer. Okay. Tim Lawyer. Well, I'm getting my popcorn. Beloved friend and guest of the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'll finish my blast at Tim right after this segment. Okay. <laughs> Twitter um, war, Twitter war. This started as satire, but people have, uh, some people have jumped in, apparently taking it seriously. It's always hard to tell. Everybody's so dry in the modern world. It's difficult to tell who's, <sighs> who's being serious and who's, uh, just, um, who's a nut, who's a troll. Who's a troll, yeah. Also, it is, it is very difficult to communicate sarcasm in the written form, which a lot of this is. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this guy started sarcasm, and then it certainly certainly appears that the, some of the responses are, are legit, but I can't tell. About uh, Neil Armstrong saying, of course, 50 years ago, one small step for man. Yeah. One, one giant step for mankind. Ooh, man. Ooh, rough. Rough. Using the term man, the gendered man. He was one, <laughs> is the thing. It's also nearly impossible and Helen Pluckrose, and what are the other uh, fine fellows, uh, Bogosian, uh, those uh, academics who had all those ridiculously, hilariously phony uh, scholarly papers published? It's almost impossible to throw out an idea so ridiculous that you won't find 10,000 people on Twitter who say, yeah, you're right. Uh, while I understand the time it was said, and Neil Armstrong said a few words that were hurtful today, given its gender exclusivity. Numerous TV specials airing this month on Apollo program make no effort to mute Armstrong's gender-insensitive comments. <sighs> and I constantly see phrases such as, first man on the moon, first man in space, manned space missions, etc. This must cease. Wow. Is that just as dry as a fine martini? I can't tell. Oh, that's some finely crafted well, bullcrap. Well, well here's, here's an argument on how it could absolutely not be trolling. The Berkeley City Council legitimately changed all the words in the code of their their city from it's no longer a manhole, it's a maintenance cover. I mean, um, whatever, yeah. You know, and 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 others that I'm fine with, by the way, uh, changing it from fireman to firefighter and stuff like that. I'm fine with that, but they they legitimately did that. So you could see how you would uh, somebody might say, well, hey, networks, you don't need, you can't, I don't want you to. You know, airbrush out Neil Armstrong's words, but you don't need to keep talking about the first man on the moon or manned spaceflight. You could call it first human spaceflight or first human on the moon. I, I, I'll bet there are people that made that argument that were bothered by that talk. Can you get me a list of those names? <laughs> You're going to go to their homes? <laughs> I might. I might. 
I mean, I don't. Oh, this is just tiring me out. Hopefully, we're not headed toward a time where, for the 60th anniversary, they will oh. take out Neil Armstrong's phrase. But. Oh, I got the perfect follow up for that. Okay. Unless you got something else you're hot to try to get to. Uh, alert listener, somebody or other sent this along, and I thank them for it. I usually keep the cover sheet, but I didn't. Um, it's a great piece by Barbara Kay in a Canadian publication. But there's this activist, alleged trans woman, Jessica Yaniv, or Yaniv, who sometimes is Jonathan Yaniv, but is suing. And you have to keep in mind, Jordan Peterson, who we referenced earlier, has actually run afoul as as uh, the fabulous uh, red-haired, fills in for Russia, Mark uh, Stein, Stein um, America Alone, brilliant book. Um, he's run afoul of Canada's, biz- Canada's bizarro, don't say anything mean about anyone, laws. But... Uh, so you have to understand Canada's extra wacky on this stuff. But this Yaniv guy has a twig and berries. He's got his male parts. And he is in the midst of successfully, with the aid of the Canadian government, suing female waxers who remove mm, har from women's private areas. He is suing them because they won't work on him. Because he considers himself a woman. He has a penis and a scrotum. And they don't know how to do that and don't want to do it. Please don't ever say that word on the show again. But the government is forcing the women to either do it or get out of the business. More on that story. It's enough to make me want to saddle up my moose. And right out into the Yukon to die of exposure. Are you kidding, Canada? Marshall's News is coming up. We're going to talk to Lon He Chen, one of our favorite political analysts, about yesterday's going-ons. Goings-on? Goings-on. Armstrong and Getty. I'm sorry, there's been a brief delay in my Twitter war with Tim Sandifer as I was 34 characters over. And so I need to do some heavy editing. But my blast will be heard around the world, and, 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 and it'll be ready soon. Okay. We've got- How dare he insult us in the way he has? How dare he? We've gotten a couple of texts from people who are doing that diet you mentioned last hour, oh, Marshall. Yeah. The one where you only eat between 8 and 2. Right. Yeah, time or restrictive various eating, right? degrees of that. Yeah. Right. One guy said he did the between 8 and 2 thing and lost 35 pounds and however many months. Wow. Maybe I'll try that. The simplest explanation is you allow your body to go into your calorie reserves. Right. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. I uh, I don't know if I like the idea of missing family dinner. I guess I would just sit there and stare at everybody else eating. Yes. <laughs> Seems a little weird. Or have a family parcheesi game instead. <laughs> or you just make that your window for eating. Change my window to that? Right. Yeah. You make, make family it, dinner, that's... Make it noon to seven. Right. That okay. you eat. Yeah, the, the time of day doesn't matter. It's the, the time in between eating right. that does. It, yeah. God, I do the I'll, whole show with no food. Oh. Yeah, I know. Let me drop an F-bombs. Well, you think he's grumpy now, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Horrible. Whoa, yeah, geez. no way. Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution coming up to talk about the whole Mueller thing yesterday and who won and who lost or did anybody. We're all losers. <laughs> Amen to Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, speaking of Robert Mueller, his seven hours of congressional testimonies in the books and the various reviews have been coming in. President Trump saying, you know, it was a really good day, claiming victory, telling reporters. The Democrats had nothing, 
And now they have less than nothing. But Democrats like House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler says former special counsel Mueller's House testimony will not end their investigations of Trump. They still have multiple cases being pushed because, in his mind... Mueller made clear that the president is not exonerated. Mueller found evidence of obstruction of justice and abuses of power by the president. But Democrats have struggled to actually get testimony from some of the most crucial figures in the Mueller report, and the few people the Democrats have interviewed failed to give them any new information beyond what's already in the report. It really was an exercise in re-raking the same ashes. I mean, it just it changed no minds. Officials are now saying accused child rapist and, uh, and uh, sex trafficker Manhattan financier Jeffrey Epstein is recovering after being found hurt in his jail cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York. Is he talking? Did somebody attack him or did he try to kill himself? I can, I can fully believe either happening. So far, no word on that, but uh, he was found in a so-called, so-called secure area of the correction center, lying semi-conscious in a fetal position with marks on his neck. Now, the investigators say they still haven't determined really what happened to him, but the speculation is raging from a suicide attempt to a possible assault, and he is being kept on a suicide watch. He's made a lot of enemies, and he's got a lot of reason to kill himself. Yeah, one uh, source uh, telling NBC News the injuries aren't all that serious and it may just be a ploy to try and get transferred to a different facility or transferred to the hospital facility for a while. Wow, that's a really good mystery. There are all sorts of really valid possibilities. He's got, he can afford some of the best people that exist on the planet for dealing with these things. Right. And they'd say, hey, yeah, fake the attack, get moved to a hospital completely different world there right you know who i think did it jussie smollett <laughs> i think he said hey this is easy i'll tell you how you do it you got any big giant nigerian friends <laughs> no all right well italians would do oh boy i'll tell you somebody else in the news these days again bernie madoff the mastermind behind the largest ponzi scheme in history who is 10 years into his 150 year prison term is asking president trump to commute his sentence why would anybody commute his sentence uh, the 81-year-old Madoff filed a clemency petition, which is listed as pending on the Justice Department's website. After being arrested in December of 2008, Madoff pled guilty to charges related to money laundering, perjury, and falsifying financial documents, and that's how he got sentenced to 150 years. You doomed hundreds of people? Oh, to least. poverty in their old age. Well, if you're going to include when they the, worked and saved their entire lives, rot, scum, rot. Yeah, if you're going to include their whole families, which you have to, it'd be thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, his uh, family's assets were auctioned off, and a trustee's been appointed to try and recoup the funds and pay it back to Madoff's victims. Some money's been recovered, but certainly not enough to cover everybody's losses. And here's a uh, facet of this that's been completely lost by, we were talking about this earlier uh, in the show, certain absurdly unwise unicornian numbskulls, particularly in blue states. People will look at Bernie Madoff rotting for the rest of his life in jail and think, hmm, I probably don't want to get into the defrauding... Uh, retirees business Mm -hmm. doesn't pay new study co-authored at the university of california davis shows the number of pregnant women getting ct scans has nearly quadrupled since 1996 
Now, pregnant women are usually warned to minimize radiation exposure, and the scientists who worked on the study of the first of its kind are also warning. A chest CT would have about 100 times the dose as a simple chest X-ray. Risk of radiation-induced cancer from imaging is very small. So if there's an increased risk, it's going to be a very small increased risk. So we need very large sample sizes in order to detect that increase. Researchers are still working to find out how much risk of developing cancer an unborn child is at. Yeah, and a baby. If exposed to this imaging. Well, plus, you don't want to start your life because you only get so many of these before you reach the, the cancer territory. Right. And, like, I've had quite a few CT scans and radiation. It all adds up, and pretty soon you get into the danger zone. Right. And you don't want to have to, you know, you come out of the womb, you've already got one dose of it. Mm-hmm. No advantage to that unless you really need it. Yeah, so a cautionary note. That's oh, your new... I'm sorry, one more quick note, Marshall. Yeah. I think we have time. There's a piece came out recently, uh, particularly in the states where marijuana is legal. More pregnant women yeah. are smoking pot while they're pregnant. And it's bad for you. It's bad for the fetus. It interferes with neurological development. Do people not birth know weight, The rest of it. No, people are dumb. How do people not or, know Or that? not ignorant. So listen, maybe you're aware that your kids or your daughter or whatever smokes pot, because I don't think we have a lot of like 21-year-old pregnant women listening. Um, I wish we did, but tell them, don't smoke pot when you're pregnant. It's like drinking excessively. Right. It's terrible for the kid. Well, a lot of the women are saying, well, yeah, but it, it helps me deal with the morning sickness. So that's why they're smoking pot. Well, that is no good excuse. Damaging your fetus is not a, a good result. Please stop it. If that makes sense to you, do not have a kid. Right. You're you're too... I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to say this. You're not smart enough to have a child. There you go. That's your news. Whoa. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Arm... <laughs> on the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation fly squawky. There was so long of a runway of... <clears throat> Marijuana getting classified with mm-hmm. drugs that it didn't belong with. That the the narrative on the other side was it's it, it's fine, it's fine, right. but it's it's not harmless. Right. We don't know the effects of it because of the misclassification of a Schedule One narcotic. Right. And it, it the long term effects and the effects on on unborn like we don't know these things yet. And it's it's very believable to me that it's, it's not good. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. right. <sighs> so Lon He Chen, we like his um his political uh, an- analysis on a variety of things. Very calm, steady dude. From Hoover, we're going to talk to him about yesterday's clown show. (laughs) See what he thought of it next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired with the Russian government in its election interference activities. Could you charge the president with a crime after he left office? Yes. You believe that he committed, you could charge the president of the United States with obstruction of justice after he left office? Yes. Which one of those sentences that you kind of started and didn't finish did you mean? An old man Mueller. You understand he asked two questions at once, which have different answers. So he clarified it later, making it clear, but not clear enough, apparently. So we so seven hours of testimony or yes. six or whatever it was, and we still didn't nail down. Like, Wait like a second. Minutes. Are you saying you could charge this president or a president? Right. How did we not nail that down in, in that many hours of questioning? Yeah. 
Anyway, I take I, your question. I take your question. <laughs> yeah, all right. ABC News Terry Moran yesterday, because I was watching Stephanopoulos's coverage. He's their he's their big news guy. Looks at the politics. Said impeachment is over after today. I think so, but I don't know. I watched some of the cable news channels. They were still hot to trot about oh, it. I, I saw I saw pundits saying after today, impeachment is not only necessary; it's mandatory, and I think it will happen. I thought, really? Okay. Wow. Wow. Lonnie Chan is a David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies and Lecturer in Public Policy at Stanford University, also a counsel at the law firm of Errant Fox LLP, and joins us now. Lonnie, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? Good. Tell the truth. You watch the whole thing? No. <laughs> Good. No. Good for you. No I was going to speak to your work-life balance if you had. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I think the only people who watched the whole thing were people who were paid to watch the whole thing. I mean, that's the, the, it was not a particularly uh, great display of television, let's put it that way. Yeah, I found it pretty interesting, though. Those of us who haven't been in the game perhaps as long as you have or as deeply, the dog and pony show aspect of it is still pretty entertaining as as various, uh, you know, some super skillful showman, some droning nobodies uh, all try to score points and get on their local news. Well, Joe Scarborough said politically it had all the drama of a middle school field hockey match that ends in a 0-0 tie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it is it, it is an opportunity. Look, each member is going to want to demonstrate that, you know, their five minutes on national television is worth something. And so they're going to be out there trying to do what they can, particularly on the House side, you know, where you've got much larger committees, as you saw yesterday. The House Intelligence Committee uh, is, a, is, a, is a pretty big committee and both both committees have a lot of people who, you know, folks have probably never heard of. Right. So this is their opportunity to get out there and flex. I, you know, the the difficult part of it is I'm just not sure it changed the calculus on anything. And I think that right. that was my hunch going into it. And I think that's how you have to feel coming out of it, that people who felt the president uh, was a crook before think he's a crook still. And those who thought he was innocent still think he's innocent. I didn't think it changed anything. Well, I remember when the actual Mueller report came out, and with all due respect to the oft-stated fact that virtually nobody read read it, I mean, a lot of people haven't read Moby Dick either, but they know it's about a whale and a crazy captain. Um, when that report came out, it changed nobody's minds. So the idea that when the old fella came out and testified, having said, I'm not going to go beyond the bounds of the report, I mean, it was the longest of long shots the Democrats were taken that this would be some sort of uh, you know super exciting headline uh, headline generating exercise you would think you know but going into it a lot of democrats were saying you know i heard this line so much on the television news programming and people that i was on television with would say you know people didn't read the book but they'll want to see the, the movie right. you know, they didn't read the book they'll want to hear the audiobook the problem is that Audible is not going out there hiring Bob Mueller as a narrator. Right? No, they are because not. This guy, this guy was, I mean, he looked his age. I hate to say it because he's an incredibly honorable guy who's done so much in his career. But it was not something to behold. And, and I think Democrats who thought, well, maybe this will be the opportunity to bring that report to life. I, I really think they were disappointed, but should have known going in this is what they were going to get. Hey, since we're on the topic of Mueller looking and sounding old, one interesting take on this I saw yesterday is, was this a bad day for Joe Biden, in which everybody kind of rethinks the whole idea of, do we want somebody in their mid-70s or 80s? They're not always the sharpest. 
Maybe the, and, and Joe Biden's looked that way a little bit sometimes. Maybe our whole we don't care how old any candidate is vibe we've had uh, will go away a little bit. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: Do- Donald Trump's not a young guy either, but but, but he, he doesn't seem incredibly old. sort of energetic. You know, I mean, he doesn't act his age, as it were. And neither does uh, Elizabeth Warren. I know, nobody's going to put the right. old tag on her, I don't think. But Biden comes off as old sometimes. And having just gone through the Mueller thing, I wonder if people go, Rrr. yes. Yeah, they could. And, 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 you know, the thing with Biden is it's not just been one moment. It's been several moments. I mean, arguably, his whole campaign's been kind of sluggish because, you know, some of that's relating to him. So I, I do think it creates another impediment in voters' minds. But it's even with Biden, it's even less about how he looks and how he sounds, but it goes to what he says as well. And so I think we're going to have to see how that develops. But yeah, yesterday's uh, yesterday's hearing was not a good look for people over the age of 70. That's to be sure. Lon He Chen of uh, Harvard and the Hoover Institution is on the line. Lon He, uh, did the Republicans do themselves any good? Did they advance any of their causes or investigations or anything? I mean, I, I I don't necessarily think so. You know, I mean, they're trying to to convince people that the that the whole investigation was started under false pretenses, and that there's this, uh, you know, huge uh, thing lurking out there in the deep state. Uh, my, my sense is that it, it's a good thing for them to to use as a meme for the Republican base to get Republican voters really ginned up. I think the vast majority of Americans look at it and they think, you know what, let's just be done with this whole thing. Let's right. just move on with our lives and let's actually try to get the politicians to do something reasonable for once. I think that's where most Americans probably are with this. Hey, I have a question for you that it sounds like it's partisan, but it's not. I'm actually curious about this. Um, so the, the, the investigation, the big umbrella was Russia's interference with our campaign, our electoral process, their uh, disinformation, right. the rest of it. Um, and then it later became, and did the Trump campaign uh, collude with them? But the whole Hillary Fusion GPS Steele, Christopher Steele, was hired, and he went to Russian nationals for dirt. I mean, so that was obviously an intentional thing done by a campaign consorting with Russian nationals. Why didn't the Mueller report address that? Yeah, it's an interesting question because those are also some serious, serious questions about, um, you know, the use of campaign funds to essentially sponsor digging on a, a candidate, about a candidate, information on a candidate by consorting with foreign agents. The, the reason why, I think, is because the scope of the investigation that Mueller was sort of given, he would argue, now we can dispute this, he would argue was sort of narrowly focused to Russian efforts specifically to uh, infiltrate elements of of the of the campaign, and that specifically was targeted at the Trump campaign. Yeah, and but I mean, if he ends up prosecuting uh, Paul Manafort for taxes, I just I'm not buying it. Yeah, well, I mean, the the argument there is that it's part of Paul Manafort's sort of deception and cover up. And then the, the, the tax charging, I, I think will, will get, end up getting handed off to a right. fiction, but, but Mueller, but the, but the go ahead. What, what I was going to say is, is, is you guys are absolutely right to ask the question, which is it all seems broadly related to stuff that the Russians tried to do in 2016. Yeah. And, they and that's so it, Robert yeah. Mueller then said yesterday, I hope this is 
about political campaigns accepting foreign help since both campaigns did. I hope this is not the new normal, but I fear it is, Robert Mueller said. Yeah, okay, This is enough. just what we do. But, I mean, I just don't get why they didn't go there. I mean, if it turns out that Bernie Sanders was an active agent of the Soviet Union and Gary Johnson's a Nazi, you'd think that, <laughs> you know, Mueller would have gone ahead and, and shined a flashlight over there yeah. a little bit. Hey, but. I think one way to determine how big a deal this is is whether or not it comes up at all or much during the debates next week. Yeah, I anticipate it will, although although it'll come up as sort of, you know, how do you feel about impeachment? And, you know, do you really still think that that's a reasonable pathway forward? And, you know, I think the candidates will dance, right? Because for the for the hardest core elements of the progressive base, the answer has to be yes. You know, yeah, we're going to impeach him. Yeah, he's a horrible guy, blah, blah, blah. But I, I also think they recognize that that positioning is not particularly helpful for a general election. And so people like Biden, maybe even Harris, others who, who are thinking about the next steps may begin to taper their words a little bit. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, because it, I, look, the issue is going to come up. There's no question about it, because now that everybody is talking about, well, where do Democrats go next? What happens next? So surely that's going to be a question next week. Lon He Chan of the Hoover Institution, Stanford University and Arendt. Uh, Arendt is it Arendt Fox or Arendt? Uh, it, it, it's Aaron. I'm actually not there anymore. Well, that's, uh, that's some that's good, timely guy. information. Actually. <laughs> and he is not an agent of any foreign government, Lon He Chen. Lon oh, he and I, I enjoy okay. you on the Sunday talk shows when I see you. Always good. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks, Lon He. It's great to talk. Always a pleasure. Oh, and Did, I love uh, you on Plays of the Day on ESPN, too. That's good. That's I wondered, I wonder, turning uh, that double play. I was thinking this might scratch Sean where he itches since he's a one-issue voter that people are too old in politics. Yes. But the idea that people will say, boy, did, that Mueller thing will kind of stick in their head and they'll maybe transfer some of that feeling to Joe Biden when he stumbles a little bit. That could happen. Sounds like hate speech to me. Anti- ageism. Ageism. Well, yeah. sometimes you're just too old. That can happen, right? There is a limit. I think Mueller was at it. Armstrong and Getty.